Is that the cat? <laughs> this is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. What's going on, guys? This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia. And as always, this is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is episode 21 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. And we are here with Ben Morrill of Rare Genetics, Inc. What's going on, man? Not much. How about you all? Jacob's fighting the death flu. Yeah, I'm trying to, man. Yeah, but So yeah, y'all, everybody listening is going to have to forgive my dumb sounding voice, but... <laughs> Who cares? Justin's the only one that has to actually look at my nasty butt right now, so. I just don't want to get sick. No, well, it's probably going to happen. I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you're fine. I hope so. The cigars keep the immune system strong. Oh, okay, yeah. It's a proven medical that's, fact. That's what, it, that's what they do. Dr. Okay. Oz will tell you. Dr. Oz. <laughs> so right. what's, uh, what's been going on? i got to pull up our uh, our stuff. Our stuff. Actually, I pull it up on my phone. Doop, doop. So, can you give us a little bit of a background about uh, just your interest in herps and kind of how it came to be? Sure. Yeah, as far back as I can remember, I always liked snakes. I uh, actually found a journal that my, I think it was my third or fourth grade teacher had us write in a journal every day. We had to write at least five lines, I remember. And, uh, I mean, even back back then, I was writing about going out and catching garter snakes by my house. <laughs> it's yeah. just always been that way. Snakes, lizards, turtles. I liked other animals, too, but definitely reptiles the most. Nice. Um, and then uh, as a teenager, finally talked my mom into letting me keep a snake longer than a day or two. <laughs> and started breeding when I was, I think I was about 21, 22, something okay. like that. Um, and I had started, I'd also started as a high schooler talking to the, uh, at the local university at biology department cool okay cool what uh what was the first species you ever bred ben you there can you hear hello Ro reggie ben you there give him a second Ben, can you hear us? Hello. Oh, there he went. Is there anybody in there? <laughs> that call just failed. Yeah, it did. Oh, man. <coughs> we'll give it a second. Yeah. What'd you ask Santa for this year? Snake stuff. You know. You're not going to get it. I know. I just want money for snake stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you say, I need money for bills. Meaning my reptile basics invoice. Pretty much. All right. There he is. 
You there? <clears throat> ben, can you hear us? Can you hear us? <laughs> what <laughs> what the? <laughs> oh, no. Try calling him. Call. <laughs> hey, Better Culture Podcast coming at you live. JBJS talking snakes. Hello. Can you hear us? Can you hear us now? I can, yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's going on? I heard you totally fine for the first while, and then it cut out a couple of times. Yeah, you dropped out there um, for a minute. Uh, anyways, we can get back into it. We'll cut yeah. out. We'll cut out the <laughs> silence. Um, luckily, this isn't a live show. So, yeah. um, but anyways, uh, what was the first species that you uh, that you bred? Yeah. So the the first year I did some breeding was. 2002, okay. I put a pair of boas, just Colombian boas together, and a pair of ball pythons together. Okay. Just normal to normal and normal to normal, and I got 19 live boa babies with no slugs, and I got eight uh, ball python babies, all healthy and good, and nice. I was very pumped. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. That's super cool. Um, what are you kind of into now? Um, do you do any breeding currently or anything? Yeah, I do. So I've I've kept several different species over the years. Um, I was one of the authors on the Complete Carpet Python. I wrote the advanced breeding uh, chapter in that book. And nice. So I worked with Justin at Australian Addiction Reptiles mm-hmm. for several years. We were partners. and um, But... Uh, so I've bred Angolans and and uh, blackheads and lomas, oh, nice. lots of different pyth- mostly python species. Just the the Colombian boas are the only boas I've bred so far. Um, but now, recently, my kids are getting old enough that they're working out in the snake room with me, and they feel the most comfortable around ball pythons. So I have just ball pythons and colubrids now. Okay, cool. cool. What kind of colubrids? Honduran. Oh, cool. Okay, nice. Yep. Nice, man. Well, guess we'll continue down yeah, the list. Yeah. So, um, what? Uh, explain what what RGI is all about, and kind of what what made that a thing. Like, what made that? What prompted you to to ooh. make a service like yeah. that? So, uh, when I was in high school, um, I started talking to. Uh, a professor at the university right right there by where I was you know grew up just called the the university the biology department one day and asked if there's a herpetologist I could talk to and and so even as a I think I was a junior in high school when I started talking with him uh, his name is Joe Mendelson and he's now the uh, the curator of reptiles at the Atlanta Zoo and so he's still doing research and going out and catching he mostly works with frogs but um, so I started as a high schooler and then in college working in biology labs and uh, so I've since about 99 or 2000 I've been doing biology stuff uh, molecular biology work and 
some of it early on I was able to do with reptiles and amphibians. I got a, a couple of papers early on. Um, but since then, I've mostly, you know, for my full-time job, uh, getting a Ph.D. and then working after that, I've been working on mammals, but still doing molecular biology and embryo type of work. Okay. And uh, so I've always... Well, one thing that Dr. Mendelson told me, I was complaining about a class in college that I had that just didn't really apply to anything I was interested in, felt like a waste of time. And he told me, no matter what, what you're in, just think about how you can apply it to, to reptiles and then you'll be happy. Yeah. And so I've just kind of always done that. And so, uh, rare genetics Inc. is, is, has came, came from, first of all, you know, my background keeping reptiles and working in a, molecular biology lab Uh, but it also came from in 2011 I went to the Tinley show and uh, hung out uh, with Sean Christian he's the one that owns the Morelia uh, forums right before they shut down he's the second owner of that Mm -hmm. uh, before kind of Facebook took over and people weren't on forums anymore but uh, anyway he and I met there and talked a bunch and had several different ideas and and so just kind of all three of those things without Sean's help and support uh definitely wouldn't get to this wouldn't have gotten to this point yet but uh just wanted to be able to use the molecular biology and captive husbandry captive reproduction of vertebrate species all that kind of research that I was a part of at the university and in my full-time job wanted to bring that to to reptiles so there's lots of genetic tests that are available for birds and for dogs and horses and so uh, what i really wanted to do was uh, make some of those genetic tests available for reptile species that's cool very cool man and so currently what is what i know you don't work you don't do it for every you know, you don't just do it for every, it's not like people just send you in sheds of, you know, whatever they have, beardies, whatever. You you can only do it on a select handful of stuff at the moment, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, so most things that you want to look at in the DNA, um, you have to develop an individual test for that, and a lot of the time, different species or different gene, genera or sometimes Sometimes you'll get lucky and there'll be like a whole family. You can do a, a certain type of test on any of the, the species within mm-hmm. that family. But a lot of the time you have to design a new test like the sex determination test that works on a king snake is not going to work on Python because their mm-hmm. sex chromosomes are totally different. And uh, so so currently, right now, the tests that, that I can turn around pretty quick in, in 10 days or less are uh, sex determination tests from shed skins of uh, colubrids, elapids, and vipers. So any of the venomous snakes and then the, the most common ones like king snakes, corn snakes, mm-hmm. moth snakes, uh, stuff like that. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, I know there's a lot of a lot of excitement in the chondro community about this because oh, if you can send in, you know, you got a handful of neonates or whatever, if you yeah. can, you know, once, once that becomes an option with, with RGI, like, that's going to change a lot that of changes. stuff. That that's big time, especially you know for the especially for the chondro community. You know, being that you can't you can't sex. It's not safe to sex uh-huh. babies. You know, right off the bat. But man, if um if you can send in sheds and get them 
tested right out of the egg, man. That's well, that's I mean, huge. think about it. You breed a pair of really nice designers that are, yeah. you know, several thousand dollars, whatever. Like, you can now kind of get a know, like, what your ratios are in that clutch and sort of right. plan ahead. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely doesn't seem a, like much. It's going to be a huge resource yeah. moving forward. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, uh, test for pythons, sex discrimination test for pythons is the one that I, I was the most excited about Sean as well. That's what we really wanted to get going before we, you know, kind of went public and started accepting samples and all that. But mm-hmm. the, the Python test is just more complicated. Uh, the sex chromosomes in, in pythons, it's an X and a Y, which is different from colubrids and the lapids and vipers. They have ZW like birds. Oh, really? Right. Right. I didn't know the, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty recent research. Um, Dr. Booth was a part of Warren Booth uh, publishing a paper. I think it was in 2017, if I remember right. Um, but it's it's pretty recent. Uh, if you had asked five years ago, you'd say all snakes have ZW, but now we know pythons and boas are, are XY, um, um, like humans. But hmm. the difference between our sex chromosomes and the sex chromosomes in pythons and boas is if you look at a karyotype, so if you look at the chromosomes mm-hmm. within a, a human cell, you can tell the difference between the X chromosome and the Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. So over time, that Y chromosome gets smaller and smaller and does less. There's less that's the, you know, proteins and things that are made off of that chromosome. But in the pythons and boas, those two chromosomes, the X and the Y, still look exactly the same in, in, in a karyotype. And so there's not a lot of difference between them, and that's what's made it really difficult to design a test to tell them <coughs> apart because they're so similar. Yeah, because, well, I guess if you have that and then you have all these different, you know, genre and uh, I guess subspecies probably wouldn't be as big of a deal, right, than, than full-blown special separation. Yeah, sometimes... Excuse me. Sometimes it's it's hard to tell until you start getting some sequence data back. Mm-hmm. Um, you might make some assumptions ahead of time, but um, the fact with with pythons, the nice thing that that we already know is that we can breed, you know, a, a python from genus Morelia to Aspidites and get you know babies that are still viable and. So I, I think there's a decent chance eventually we would be able to have a test that would work across all Python gene, you know, all mm-hmm. Python genera, all Python species. Um, but we'll just have to see. But the the cool thing is uh, with with Python specifically, I haven't worked with boas very much yet. Um, but with pythons, we we are very close. We've zoned in quite a bit. Uh, on where the difference is that's causing, you know, whether an animal becomes male or female in the DNA. And uh, we plan to write something up and include it on the website probably in January. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this a little bit before with people, but um, it's it's a little complicated right now. But essentially what I can do is if you send me, uh, this really will only work for people that are breeding pythons, but mm-hmm. if you have a male that you're currently breeding, you can send me his shed and either his mom or his dad. If I can have at least those two sheds, the, the male himself and then either his mom or his dad, 
then what I can do is I can I can look and see what sex chromosome he got. So if I know it's the mom's shed um, that you gave me, I can tell what chromosome she gave him. Mm. And I would know, since pythons are XY, right. that she could only give him an X. And so whatever sex chromosome he got from her, he'll pass that on to all his female offspring. Uh, and then the other chromosome he would give will go to all his male offspring. Uh-huh. And so I can actually do sex determination from shed skins, but I have to have a male, one of his parents, and then you could send me any of his offspring, and I would be able to tell. The, the only time I wouldn't is if you're heavily inbred. Right. And okay. the, the chromosomes that came from the mom and the dad look the same, then I wouldn't be able to tell. So... There's a few, <laughs> you know, rare circumstances I might not be able to tell. And so it's, it's a little complicated. It's going to be a little difficult to explain to people, help, help people understand. But people that are really into breeding, especially chondros, I would think uh, would be a, a really good area mm-hmm. that we hope to educate and get the word out and, and start getting some, some sheds in from males and then, you know, one of their parents. And as soon as we have that, any offspring from that male this year, next year, five years from now, um, I would always be able to test those any offspring from him and tell you what gender they are. Wow. Hmm. That's really cool. It's, it definitely sounds like a, a bit of a process, <clears throat> at least at the stage it's at now um, with all the shed skins, but that's, uh, that's definitely interesting. Yeah, like that's how, super do you, cool. how do you go about whittling down, like just with the pythons and trying to work that out? Like what is how do you figure out that you're headed in the right direction as far as figuring that out? Is it just like trial and error with different genes and like chromosomes? Um, so what we did, what ended up being um, almost exactly the same type of thing that, that uh, Warren Booth did, the group that he worked with, that they uh, have a publication on this, but we used a specific type of sequencing, next generation sequencing. So we generated literally millions and millions and millions of bases. And we had um, we had a group of about 20 males, known males, like I made sure 100% sure these are ones that like walked and made babies with a female mm-hmm. and then about 20 females that I know had laid eggs. Like it's not guessing or I'm pretty sure when I popped it or whatever, it's none of those. Like these are ones I knew for sure. I had a group of 20 males and a group of 20 females. And we, it's pretty expensive, <laughs> so it's going to be a while before we make any money from this if we've gone down this route. But um, so we did that sequencing, and and what happens is, if I uh, use, and we we had someone help us with this, but they use uh, bioinformatics software, and so they're able to go through essentially millions and millions of bases, and they go through and say, okay where are there times that we see something different in this group of 20 that are labeled as male than what we can see in this group of 20 that are labeled as female. And when we did that, we got a hot region, which ended up being on a chromosome that is similar to a a sex chromosome. The closest related animal that's had like a full genome sequencing and a lot of annotation or work done on it is the anole, the green anole. Yep. And so this sequence is homologous with that. And so that was kind of nice to see that we're 
hitting the same region that's a sex chromosome in a nose. And then within that, we're able to see kind of the spot on that chromosome. Uh, that's so we essentially go from 1.5 billion base pairs in a in a python, and we willed it down to a chromosome where there's like 65 million base pairs. And then on that, we've kind of zeroed in even more from there. And that's just more sequencing, having really good samples that we know how they're related to each other. And we know which ones are male and female, and then just more sequencing. And so that's the next step uh, to zero in even more. Wow. And it might be the next round. The next round of sequencing, we might nail it, or it might take two or three more rounds of sequencing. How many many hours have you piled into that? (laughs) Um, A lot. (laughs) It's been been about four years. Uh, I was going to ask how long you guys have been working, you know, at, at... at RGI, you know, getting it to where it's at. Um, but, uh, yeah. That's... Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a chunk of time and a chunk of money and I have a full-time sure. job. So it's, it's been a lot yeah. of nights and weekends and, but I mean, it's something I think about literally every day and I'm excited about and it's fun. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully Sean was willing to help me, you know, kind of be able to pay for things as they came up and, and keep, keep the focus, keep it moving along. Um, it obviously would be much easier if it was what I could focus on 40 hours a week, right. but mm. just can't do that yet. <laughs> right. So, so what we're hoping is, as uh, we, you know, can bring some tests online and get the marketing, get the word out there and, and people purchasing. Uh, it's really just the last couple of months or month really that I've been more active on Facebook and Instagram and mm-hmm. trying to, uh, get the word out in different forums and groups and things like that. Um, but yeah, we're we're getting you know pretty good amount of of sheds in every week for almost exclusively for the Clubrid sex determination testing. Wow. And so, as long as we can keep money coming in, then we can keep funding more development, more development. For sure, and that's always you know. Um... That kind of, it's kind of what keeps you going when you're doing something like this is you're actually seeing it progress and you're seeing people actually utilize your product and and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm sure that's definitely been a, a, a determining factor in how, how you keep on pushing yourself to, to keep it going. You know, even though you work already work 40 plus hours a week at, you know, a normal full-time job, you're still doing this on the side. I'm sure it's definitely nice to actually, you know, see it progressing the way it is. Yeah, yeah. I had somebody post on the, there's a Facebook forum. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. The FBI, you're able to, it's kind of like the BOI used to be on Fauna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Be able to see, yeah, check and see if if people are legit, essentially. I had someone post a a question on there about rare genetics ink right after I put the first ad up. And, uh, I mean, we had like 200 comments. I had like, I don't even remember how many shares and things like that. And so it was really fun. Like I was that day, I think it was a Saturday or Sunday. I spent literally like six or seven hours almost straight just replying to (laughs) emails, you know, Facebook comments, people sending me, uh, you know, direct messages. And so it was really fun to see people excited about it and talking about it and and now that we've run several samples for people, getting some of the stories back that I've been 
calling the snake such and such for the last 10 years, and now I know it's actually the other gender. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's pretty fun. Well, I like it because, you know, if you're not super familiar or good at probing or popping or anything, it's a yeah. much more less invasive way. Yeah, you don't have to take the sure. risk of, you know, something happening. Yeah, because you, know, you, you, yeah, you really, when you, especially when you probe, you know, and even popping, you know, a small snake, you know, it's, you can really injure the animal if you mm-hmm. don't know what you're doing, you know. You can really damage some stuff, you know, especially with yeah. a species like a green tree python. You know, we were reading some post the other day about how some guy was going to probe his green tree python anyways <laughs> you know said, even I though quote, i know it's bad but i do i do it anyways <laughs> it's like you know yeah. man like that's it's not necessary you he know? was he was from some other country though yeah, he was in another part of the world i don't know this is i just kind of laughed I said, yeah. <laughs> there was a conversation like that uh, as a reply to one of the the ads that I put up. I don't know if that's the same one you guys are looking at, but it's it's a very similar conversation I've heard as well. Because <laughs> Harlan piped in and he was like, "No, no, never do like, that. Don't <laughs> probe them. I don't even like probing adults." <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's the yeah. nice thing about green trees, though, is you don't necessarily have to. I just wait until they shed. You know, once they start hitting that older age, yeah. it's usually pretty obvious. Yeah, but, but if something like this, you know, if <laughs> if you're looking at getting, you know, spending oh, yeah, yeah. No. spending two, three, five thousand dollars on a designer green tree python, you're like, you know, I kind of would really like this to be a female. That helps you plan ahead. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you oh, even yeah. think about um, guys producing them, you know, you can either sell them for you know this unsexed or if you get them sex that can yeah, up the value the females, of those animals extra, you know you know however many dollars so. yeah it could definitely help out breeders you know if they want to go and you know sure i'm sure it wouldn't be cheap to get mm-hmm. every single baby tested but you know you can you can make that up in the end you know being able to sell these as sexed animals because yep. you know you can't find sex babies for sale in the green tree mm-hmm. world you know it just it doesn't happen and uh yeah i could definitely that would be a huge tool for a lot of people. I know a lot of people would utilize that. Mm-hmm. And was I reading right? For some reason, I'm thinking you said there was going to be like a database <clears throat> of some sort. I'm yeah, so that's another else. another kind of branch. That's something that I can do right now. Um, I can essentially do a, uh, call it a DNA fingerprint, mm-hmm. where you're uh, able to get a, a DNA identity for this unique individual so it's using the same technology as if they're at a crime scene they find hair um, they can tell from the dna who that hair came from Um, so we can we can do that right now and one one application that i have um, talked to green tree python breeders about and uh, have had some interest uh, so just today i got some samples in for some uh, Amazon tree boas uh, that uh, to be able like if you have a multiple sired clutch, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. say one male uh, is worth five hundred dollars, the other male is worth five thousand um, dollars, and you get these babies and you can't guarantee to your yeah. customers which male they came from. Um, I'm able to right now. It's it's easy for me to do. You send me the sheds of the the mother, the father. But the mother and and however many fathers, if it's two or three or whatever, and then the the offspring, and I can match up the offspring to which male okay. they came from, and you would know that for yeah. sure. Hmm. That's actually that's but, really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, I mean, even ball python breeders. There's a lot of times where you know one one male is uh, has a recessive gene and the other one doesn't, and then you get these babies. You don't know if they're het for sunset or het for pied or whatever. 
because you don't know for sure which male fired them. Yeah. And uh, so that's something that, that we can do. But the other part of that identity that I can use to do parentage testing that we're just talking about, uh, we can also, what I plan to do, and, and we have this already underway, um, we're building a database where, sorry, just a second. <coughs> I'm, I'm catching your sickness, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it through the, through the phone. <laughs> um, so what, what we're going to do is we'll have a way for uh, customers to upload information about an animal. So you, you'd be able to, you know, tell us what the name is, who produced it, whether it's, if you know whether it's male or female and, and just various information if it's, if it's related to any other animals already in the database and if you have offspring from it, you're going to put in. But anyway, we'll have a cool database. So we'll be able to do lots of things with down the road. Right now, what you would be doing is, is just submitting a, a shed and I will do that DNA fingerprint. So you'll have a genetic identity for that animal that anyone down the road could just send us another shed and we'd be able to match it with, okay. you know, what's See, in that's, records or that's so you cool. could like if, if somebody sells this animal to you and says it's from Mr. Blue or Mr. Mm-hmm. Blue's son, and you can just send us a shed and we'll say, uh, that's literally impossible. Or we could say, yeah, yeah, he's got markers from Mr. Blue. You know, that's okay. all kinds of things that we See, can do right now. That would be no that's, problem. Yeah. That's a big deal for the Condro yeah. group too. Cause you know, lineage in, in the Condro world, a big yeah, deal, you know, guys, yeah. guys looking at, you know, I, <laughs> I just recently, I saw somebody post, um, a manic quarry or say a claiming it was a mm-hmm. manic quarry, you know, a captive bred animal. And, there, you know, everybody and their brother was typing in about or piping in about how it wasn't, you know, this animal, blah yeah. blah. Apparently, the dude paid, paid a ton of money for it, and it was this whole I thing. I think I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I felt really bad for the guy because you know he said he, he dropped. He said he dropped, you know, a couple yeah. grand on this animal, and you know he had, he had everybody. It was a nice looking snake, but he had everybody coming mm-hmm. in saying that's not what he yeah. was, what he thought it was. You know, and you know, doing stuff like this, you know this gives you the resource to hey before mm-hmm. i buy this animal can you take a shed from it send it to send it to um ben and see and do a test on it you know well, and that's make something. sure yeah. it is it, it is what he says it is you know so that you can get that verification i know that's that's something the chondro chondro world has been wanting for a long time yeah. it's like a single yeah. database where like you have you know stuff like pedro's stuff in spain mm. you know with his you know mosaic and stuff like that and halloween and just those animals like those those like pioneering designer animals yeah. that you know, probably have a bunch of offspring and people, you know, be it they're buying it third or fourth hand, like maybe mm-hmm. not know, like that kind of stuff. It's just, that's, that's a, that's a useful yeah. thing. Like it's, <clears throat> it's huge, man. Yeah. That is, this is like a, I, I, in my opinion, this is a huge stepping stone, you know, to progress the mm-hmm. hobby as a whole, you know, um, I definitely think yeah. what you're doing is a really awesome thing that can, that has a lot of potential to be something really, really awesome. You know, even and yeah. it's already there. It's already at that point. You know that is. Yeah. It's just so cool. What well, you even do. with the conjures I got from Luke, like the f- dam has mm-hmm. Maxwell blood in her somewhere, like right. not far down the line. Right. And so, like I was trying to hunt down the people that he got the female yeah, from yeah. and be like, "Hey, do you have pictures of so and so?" So I could like just keep track of it yeah, all. Put it all together. And of course, I couldn't find any of it. And so I was yeah. like, crap. Like, I'm really curious to see what they look like because, mm-hmm. you know, Maxwell produced some awesome snakes. and Yeah. I don't know. So having something like that will yeah, be, be really handy. I definitely think Conjure people will be among the, the top 
you know, group oh, of yeah. Definitely. people that would be interested. Absolutely. And uh, Ian Bissell has already sent me, I think, 40 or 50 sheds. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. He's, uh, <laughs> he's messaged me a few times. Hey, have you looked at them? I'm like, no, I, I haven't done pythons in a while. I'm focused on Cluebridge right now. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, so I think it's going to be really nice resource you'll be able to upload a picture um down the road we hope to be able to you know make it pretty easy for you from the website to be able to just you know pop out a pedigree and things like that i think it'll be a a pretty pretty awesome resource and the thing that will make it different from anything anyone else has done before is that you'll be able to have that genetic identity there and it can be tested you know any other time uh, if anyone ever wonders down the road, and like I said, if they're wondering if an animal is related or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's that's easy to test. All you do is send a shed, and and we can figure it out for you. Well, the yeah. fact that it's coming from third party is huge. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people, you yeah. know, obviously not your higher-end, like, Contro guys or something that'll say, yeah, this is Mr. Blue Kid. Like, you're getting some snake at Repticon or whatever, and they're like, yeah. "Yeah, this is this is Mr. Blue's, you know, great great grandchildren or something." And you're like, "Okay, yeah, sure." Like having <laughs> a trustworthy third party now yeah. that basically says, "Like, this is verified and this is accurate." Yeah. You know, we're not. Yep, for sure. That's a that's a very big deal because yeah, I feel like that wool's been pulled over a many eyes. Yeah, and like I said, <laughs> yeah. you know, when and, if I'm dropping, you know, five, six, yeah. even ten grand on, you know, an animal, I want to know that I'm getting what I pay for, you know, and I feel like this is definitely the tool to to prove mm-hmm. that, you know. Um, It'd be interesting to do with Brettles pythons too, with the different lines. Yeah, that would be being able to keep yep. track of that. Yeah, keep track of is it, is it a Lazic line or is it A fours, mm-hmm. you know, things like things of the sort. Yeah, I'd imagine we could find some pretty pretty consistent markers that would. You know, tell us the difference That'd be between lines. Decent place to start because there's, yeah. you know, you're not having to work with a billion different genetics. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's super cool. You know, and even you can even go as far as you know, this, going back to the the bread lie. If you can fine tune it enough to know, you know, is this you know a, a European line of the A fours, or mm-hmm. is it, or did this originate somewhere else? You know. Um, things like that you know i'm not exactly sure where all these lines sky's the limit yeah you know um but uh yeah man that's that's really cool this is definitely something that's gonna are you guys gonna go down the ball python morph rabbit hole um it's something that just my own personal science nerdiness i i would like to there's there's already been I don't see it as a, or I know it's not a focus right now. There's no way I could put any time in that mm-hmm. right now. Um, two or three years from now, maybe. Uh, but there have already been some publications where they've found, like, the albino gene and corn snake and, like, a black mm-hmm. snake or something. I can't remember what it is. Um, but there's already been some information found. But it's the, the unfortunate thing is, Every single morph, so if we just talk about ball pythons and just talk about recessive morphs, you know, just to be able to figure out albino, piebald, uh, you know, candy and, yeah. you know, all these other clown, um, sunset, I mean, each one of those would probably <coughs> cost between ten and $20,000 just wow. to have a decent shot at wow. getting it, and it could get up to fifty grand per wow per, you know, development of a test. Um, so, you know, it's it's not feasible anytime soon. 
Right. But as sequencing costs come down and we have more and more people sending us sheds to get run for, you know, parentage testing, DNA fingerprinting, and sex determination, all these different things, I could eventually have a nice set of samples that, you know, whenever we have some room on a sequencing run or something else, I can just throw it on there and, mm-hmm. and I could slowly learn about it. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we can maybe find some, some spots, you know, maybe on a certain chromosome or find, figure out some little secrets on how to find where these color and pattern genes are. But it's, it's definitely the morph thing is, is like way down the road. That's not something that I'm going to be able to do anytime soon. And, right. And uh, it's it's difficult and it's expensive and not gonna happen soon. <laughs> well, I can't even wrap my head around it. You know, when you have like five gene animals and stuff, it's like, how do you go about right determining separating that and like just rifling yeah. through all that and organizing yeah. it and saying, okay, this is definitely like this. This is this. This is this. Yeah, you know, this, this is, is for yeah. sure. This trait. This is you know, like I just. It seems like a nightmare, and it seems to me that there's so many morphs out there now and so many combinations that it would be hard to find something that's just that gene. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, but in food species, so in cattle, as a grad student, I helped on a project where we had like 60 or 70 different traits that we found, and we developed a test that was cheap. I mean, it was I think it was less than $5. It was a super cheap test where we could screen for for those 60 or 70 different, they call them SNPs or single nucleotide polymorphisms. So we could we could look for those 60 or 70 different things in one test really cheap. And the reason why it was developed, which I'm sure that was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollar range to do that. But since it's for a food species, all that money, you know, found a way to, to researchers like me because that helps these ranchers be able to stay in business. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what they would do is they would just send us hair samples. We would extract DNA and run this test, and it would tell them uh, with a pretty high degree of, of predictability how well the, the marbling would be in the meat from those cattle. Mm. And so they would know which ones they want to keep as breeders and which ones they don't just because of how, how well they'd score with this marbling. Hmm. So, so it's very doable. It just costs a lot. Yeah. Money. <laughs> now, as far as like, say that I like tomorrow, I send you a shed. Like, what is the? What do y'all do with that? Like, what is the sort of the process behind the whole thing? Um. Uh. <laughs> what would What would I be testing for, and what species is it coming from? Um. Bear rats for sex determination. Say that again, sorry. Bear rat snakes for sex determination. Okay, so uh, what would happen is uh, when I get it here, and really all I need is a, a piece of shed about the size of a quarter, or if it's a baby, you could send me the whole shed. But mm-hmm. I'll really, I'll just use a, a very small piece of that shed. And <clears throat> what I'll do is I'll lice those cells in that shed skin and collect that DNA. And I do a, a PCR on it. And what I'm looking for specifically, I use polymerase chain reaction or PCR. Um, what that does is, I, what, the way I like to explain it to people is I'm essentially taking this huge book. So you could you know, have thousands of pages in this book. 
but I, I'm giving it the primers that I use in the PCR are, are essentially giving it a page number. So I say, and all of this, you know, 1.5 billion base pairs of DNA in the snake, you know, genome, I want to look at this specific part. And so in that sex determination test, what I'm doing is I'm looking for a piece of sequence that's only on the female or the X chromosome and then another piece of sequence that's only on the Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. And so if I get... If I get a band, just one band that's that female chromosome, I know it's a female because there's two X's, and so both the bands will be the same size. But if I know, if I get two bands, and one is the female band and one is the male band, then that's a male. And so I'm able to see, like, exactly, like, I know that this piece of, this piece of shed skin has DNA to code for a male or has DNA to code for a female. So it's a very very good way of telling it's not like popping and wondering if it's a you know a right. female that has big scent glands and you know pretty big um you know veins or you know i've i've definitely had some tweeners and ball pythons and carpet pythons over the years i mean this there's no tweener here it's pretty pretty clear i can see dna from an, a y chromosome and an x chromosome or i can only see dna from x chromosomes and then i Send you back a certificate that says it's a boy or it's a girl. Hmm. And so you, this is put into like a sequencer, which basically analyzes and then prints out that sequence on a piece of paper, or is it on a, like a computer? Like what's the? Um, it doesn't actually print out, uh, or I don't actually look at the sequence. Uh, what I get is bands on a gel, um, okay. and I, I have an ad that I'm going to post next week that will show what that looks like. But uh, it's essentially um, this. DNA gel, when we run a DNA gel, you can think of it as being like a, uh, a filter paper. And the bigger the, the piece of DNA is, the, the, sh- the longer it's going to take it to move through mm-hmm. the filter paper. And so we're able to separate out chunks of DNA by size. And so when you look at a DNA gel from after you do a PCR, you, what you're going to see is either one band or two bands. And that's really the only output i won't i won't see the actual a's t's okay gotcha what i'll see is a chunk of dna that i know came from an x chromosome or and or a chunk of dna i know came from a y chromosome and i know it's that chunk of dna because i gave you know that in that test i told the uh the enzyme to go to the specific page in that book i told it to go look at the specific part of the x chromosome the specific part of the y chromosome when it comes back that right size, then I know, okay, I've got a male or I've got a female. That's crazy. That's like and that way it's a science. lot cheaper. <laughs> it's a lot cheaper that way. If I have to actually generate A, T, C's, and G's, then mm-hmm. the price goes up two or three times because I, I have to, you know, analyze, I have to generate and analyze base by base and, so it's good to have a test. You don't have to do that because then you can do it a lot cheaper for people. Okay. I'm somewhat familiar with most of the terminology. I was a biology major for three semesters before I dropped out of college. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. what. And also, I guess tying sort of into the morph thing. But are there plans to do like locality things? I feel like that would probably be a little tougher to do since you'd have to have samples from verified localities like with the Baird's rat yeah. snakes for instance like you have the texas and then you have the mexican 
And with all the green tree localities and, you know, scrub pythons and all that stuff, is there a plan to do any of that? Yeah, so I am extremely interested in that. Uh, I plan to do that. I think that's more likely to work than the morph stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest factor in that will be how how, uh, interested. I think the groups of people that send in more sheds for DNA fingerprinting, that's going to help us be able to figure out um, which species we can really do locality stuff for so say like i have ian's 50 sheds here Um, once i'm able to do the dna fingerprinting on those what will come from that is i'll get some information that you know these five animals have this specific genetic marker these 10 here have a different one and blah 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 and so i communicate that back to him and he'll say oh you know, those are this locality or that locality is what all pieces of the puzzle. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, So so that would, that would tell me, I can't, I'm not going to tell people, Oh, I have a marker that I know is only in Beox. You know, I I can't say that yet, but what I can say is, okay, that's interesting. And, you know, maybe I can talk to Daniel Natouche or I can even get the funding and go there myself and Mm -hmm. and collect samples that I know, I know where they came from. They're not going to come from, you know, farms or um, people exporting. You know, I'm actually going out or I'm paying people there to go out. And I know where these are coming from. I really wouldn't, I wouldn't need that many. I I don't think, I won't know for sure until I start looking. But usually if, if you have a dozen or so, you know, from different localities you're interested in, we can find markers that, that always show up in one locality and, don't ever show up in another and mm-hmm. yeah. that can help really narrow it down quite a bit and, and have pretty good confidence where something came from and i can see that being um being really useful in uh, like for instance in the in the scrub python world um the um the southern scrubs are you know in the marukis um and then compared to highlands um you know the looks of them can be very similar you know, highlands, you know, you can get, you know, there's a little bit of um, variability within, you know, the visual aspects of the animals, but they can, you know, very well get mixed up, um, you know, because they can, they can look similar depending on, you know, what, what part of the area they were, they were taken from. So, you know, a Southern can start to look more like a highland and vice versa, you know, so I I can definitely see where that would come into play. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, somebody thought this was a Southern, I think it's a highland, you know, send them to shed and then, you know, go from there and, uh, see, see if you can, you know, actually pinpoint what, what locality that it it actually is. Yeah, and the other the other way I kind of see that specific project going is um, I would myself like once I see there's enough interest in this specific group, we'll say you know in, in this case in scrubs, if we have several people really interested in that, they're sending us you know stuff for DNA fingerprinting. We've got some genetic information on that group event, you know that those species within that group. Um, what I would want to do is I would go into the literature, I would do like a review and I would do a write up that I could put on the website. And so anyone that's interested in learning about, you know, genetic markers between different, you know, localities, um, I would have, I would go to the the scientific literature and, and essentially write a review type of a, a post on, on the website that would be so that herpeticulturists can, you know, kind of understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then from there, 
we'd be able to work, you know, as far as getting samples either from zoos or from academics um, that we know, you know, what their GPS locality is and that's a legit, you know, animal from this specific place. And we get a few of those, and then I can say, okay, there's these five markers, you know, for Marukis, and when you send your shed in, it's got all five of those, or it's got two of that, and it's got three for Southerns, you know. Mm-hmm. That, that's the kind of stuff I could tell you. I can't tell you, you know, if you go out in the wild and catch one, and it's going to be just like this one. Obviously, it's been in captivity, at least some, or sometimes right. it'll be you know, a couple generations down from, from one that was caught or whatever. So it's not going to be perfect, but it would be a heck of a lot better than us guessing from pictures right now. Yeah, just, just yeah. eyeballing it, you know. This <laughs> this definitely could give you a better, you know, idea than, you know, everybody just giving you their opinion, you know, um, yeah. based on, on looks and, and whatnot. Because, you know, uh, with social media nowadays, you know, Everyone's every, an everybody's an expert. Everybody knows what they're saying. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it's... With this, you know, it, this is you know, actual proof. Like, can't you can't really argue it at that point. You know, when you have DNA tests on, on the animals done, and uh, so yeah, I, that's that's super cool. Now, uh, those markers for locality, would those in theory, the ones that are at least matching, would those be somewhat different, or would they be almost identical if they were all like, if you had a group of like five Saurongs and five uh, Marukis, like green trees? Would those would those markers that are would they all be similar for that locality or would they be almost exactly the same? Um, it, the the best data we have are in people. So like if you do a twenty three and Me test, mm-hmm. <coughs> so you do twenty three and Me, you you know spit in the the kit, send it off. Um, they'll get back to you and they can tell you uh, when they tell you you're you know twenty three percent Italian and you know fifty percent. Um, you know, English, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're doing the same thing. So what they're doing is they're looking at these all these genetic markers that can be SNPs or um, short tandem repeats, so either STRs or, or SNPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they're doing is they're just looking and seeing, you know, say someone from England, there's these 10 markers that almost all people from England have these. Gotcha. And there's these, you know, 15 from, you know, Italians or seven from Ethiopians or whatever. Yeah. And so if, if those pop up and they say, you know, <clears throat> if you've got some from Ethiopia, some from Europe and some from here, then they'll, you know, kind of break down that percentage or whatever. So that's something that we could do. But what, what we have to have is, is a decent rep- representation of, you know, the, the Marukis. So right. there might be some markers that half of the animals have. There might be some markers only 10% of Marukis have. And there might be some markers that we test 100 of them, all 100 have it. But I won't know that until I've tested 100 samples. Yeah. Right. So, so that level of accuracy in predicting where that, you know, the DNA in that animal came from is only going to be able to raise to the level of how many known individuals i've Mm -hmm. tested right and so that's that's the difficult part of it but even if we can test a dozen or a couple dozen that give us a decent representation within the range for that that you know species subspecies or locality whatever level we're going to Mm -hmm. um i can at least tell you out of the two dozen i've looked at they all have this marker 
and the you know if you're comparing it to a southern and it doesn't have any of the southern markers it has all of the ones from Maruki I can't tell you that it's 100% pure but I can tell you everything that I know to this point it mm-hmm. only matches Maruki you know so it's it's not like a perfect I know this or that, but it is like I said, way better than what we're doing right now. Way better than twelve right. people telling you and, yeah, and, and arguing and, over it. You know, that's yeah. and that even within um the the carpet python community within the subspecies would be would be huge you know mm-hmm. somebody yeah. somebody what, saying what's you know my this, carpet? yeah you know yeah. if somebody says what's my carpet now we can actually be like yep. if you really want to know send it send send it in you know and there's so many exactly. people out there with with pure lines of stuff you know especially within you know uh, take uh, poplin carpets for example you know we can still get those imported from um, poplin New Guinea. So, you know, we can, you can know that for a fact that this is 100% poplin. So you can take whatever you need from that. And then if somebody sends you a shed from, you know, a mixed subspecies, you can know, well, it has a good bit of the poplin, you know, stuff come up in the shed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. So that, that, that would be huge. I didn't even, you know, really think about that before, but that's uh, yeah, that would definitely honestly, be cool. Honestly, right now in the literature for a lot of these species that we're excited about and keep and breed, um, a lot of them, some genetic markers are already published. Like I can get on for free and then, you know, if there's a specific group, like if we're talking carpet pythons, I can get on there and I can find data and sometimes they will have looked at, you know, half a dozen or a dozen individuals. So I don't even have to do anything. I can already from the literature have a, that's why I was saying that's, one of the first things I would do once I know there's a group of species we have a lot of interest in and I have samples I've been able to look at from animals that people are keeping. So they're not necessarily my control ones that tell me for sure, you know, this is this specific locality. But like I said, even though it's not telling me that, it is telling me, okay, I do see some markers that are different between individuals. And Mm -hmm. when I ask these keepers, I say, I think of this one as being a, you know, a, uh, coastal carpet and this one being a jungle, I can say, okay, I, I see a trend here and then I can, you know, go deeper. And so that I be able to get into the literature and, and write that up and help people understand, you know, as, as simple as can be, you know, I can put the A's, T's, C's and G's, you know, very summarized so people can see, okay, this is some specific sequence that we own, that we've only had, pop up in jungles and this is some specific sequence that we've only had pop up in coastals mm-hmm. and be able to go from there yeah and i see that being uh very useful for you know people working with um uh poplin uh jaguars and jungle jaguars you know especially jungle jaguars because those are huge right now if somebody says you know this this animal is you know 82 percent you know jungle and then uh, the rest of it being coastal with, and with the jaguar blood and uh, I definitely see that being you know well can we verify this you know make sure and versus you know so so I can know this isn't whether you know this is actually 80% jungle or if it's just you know a 50-50 cross you know yeah. um, well, isn't there some debate that jungles and coastals are in fact not separate there's debate on yeah there's debate on all kinds of stuff within that you know people are saying um poplins and darwins are you know oh they're the same 
and people are saying they're the same. You know, they, they totally are. You that one's a little harder to argue. <laughs> yeah, that one would be a lot harder to argue. But uh, but yeah, it's um, from from looks. I can see from looks why people say that. But yeah, yeah. Well, totally I mean, geographically, it makes sense because you know there used to be the land bridge and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I mean that. It's not a stretch to say, like, at one point they were the same. But, yeah. you know, the yeah. coastal jungle thing was interesting to read about because I know a lot of people are probably in denial. Yeah, you know, everybody's... <laughs> they refuse to believe it even if it is true. You know, and, but for <clears> me, <throat> like, I see... So, you know, until there's blood work done on both of them and they can say, you know, for fact, these are the same species, you know, if you look at it, if you look at a jungle and a coastal, they look they look different, you know, Um but I mean, I can understand the ones that are like in close proximity to each other, but like the yeah. southerns and stuff that you know get considerably larger. And yeah, that I get. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, they're not chondros, so yeah. who cares? Uh, anybody, anybody who's <laughs> cool does. <laughs> I really do love carpets, though. I'm not. Yeah. I you know, carpets are what got me into Morelia in the first yeah. place. They're all awesome. great. What have you kept as far as carpets go? Um, I had lots of jungles and coastals and a few, I guess most people are calling them poplins now. <laughs> we call them IJs back yeah. then. IJs. <laughs> yeah. You can call them whatever uh, you want. We don't, yeah, this isn't a place where we're going to, we're going to yell at you one way or the yeah, other. Cause no, I, I still give me crap like, uh, like, uh, Eric and Owen. No, yeah. I don't, I don't really, yeah, I say Poplin just because when it was explained to me as to why I was like, okay, that makes sense. I agree with that. I'm going to call them Poplins. People call them IJs. I grew up I, knowing I really them as Erie and Jaya's. Yeah, I've known them as Erie and Jaya's, you know, up until, you know, the last couple months. So when I first call, got if people some, call them IJs, I don't care. I don't tell When I first got some, I, they were Erie and Jaya's. Like, that's yeah, what I bought them as. Yeah, you know, that's what I bought all mine as when I first got into them. And all of a sudden, a couple months ago, people were like, no, they're pop ones. And I was like, okay. The PC culture is invading yeah. our culture. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely <laughs> makes sense to... To switch to calling them poplin carpets but that'll be kind of tough to get everyone to switch over yeah you know there are still you know a lot of people i'm still like, confused nope, i'm calling them erian jaya's is it know? because like the right side is erian jaya and the left side is papua i dude i've heard too many people saying that something about erian jaya like isn't like a thing anymore like it doesn't exist snakes don't know political no, borders know. regardless well i i realize that but you know people are saying arian you can't call them arian jaya's because it's not uh, i don't know i don't, I don't know. it doesn't make you sense know it's to me. not that's, that's an argument i really don't i'm like i'm not even <laughs> gonna, it's, so, on this it's so stupid and inconsequential yeah. it's like people call get, them whatever but, you want people get actual like butthurt about it man uh, you know calling them ijs pop ones you know i i don't care you know I just love them. They're my favorite subspecies by a long shot. So, Have you kept any chondros? Um, I did have one chondro. Actually, I've had two chondros. I had one that I got that was, it was probably six or eight months old and ate great for me, did great. Uh, one day I came back and it was like, halfway shut out and like dead on the perch yep that's and a chondro all right <laughs> yeah no idea what happened wow the other one that i got <laughs> yeah it was a great animal really beautiful i love that thing but yeah I, I mean i still don't know what happened um and then i had an adult one that i got from someone he had 
six or eight animals and he was going to have a kid and his wife said, you know, I was okay with you having them until now, but now that we're going to have a kid, you can't keep snakes. And so I just got these, just a local guy, just bought all of them from him cheap so that he could, you know, move them along. And so I kept that one for probably a year or two and I love that thing. It did, it did great. I just kept it just like a carpet python and he did awesome the whole time I had him and um, but yeah, they're they're really cool animals. Um, Justin has gotten some. Uh, are they? Uh, you guys might know. Can't remember which ones he ended up getting, but he got some from Terry Phillip, I believe. Right. And I, I know he's got. He's at least had some walks. I don't. I don't know. Coffee owls, maybe. Hmm. Uh, I want to say they're marukes like... or something. Oh yeah, okay. they probably are because I think Terry's done. He's he's one of the few guys really focused in on the the Marukis. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they were. Because everyone but... wants them and no one can get them. <laughs> they are they are really really cool animals, and that's the one thing my wife is tolerant of all of my snake loved and and keeping and breeding, but she doesn't really want them in the house. But she did tell me if I have green tree python babies, I could I could put a display up and have five or six of those in the living room. She's yeah. cool with that. Nice. <laughs> yep. It's I'll do that be, with a pop one there, bro. It's always good when you get get the wife on board with uh, any of your. Projects. I still try yeah. to convince mine. I'm like, we're gonna have a house, and I'll have dart frog vivariums. I was like, they look so cool. She's like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can't look at that and tell me that's not pretty. Like, it's plants and it's little frogs and they're She's bright like, yes, colors. I, yes, and I, I was can. like, I you can, can put them all over the house. They look great. She's like, no. Absolutely. I was like, okay, uh, we'll come back. I to love this dart one. frogs too. <laughs> I'm just man. I'm just getting into him. Justin's and I'm going, going nuts. Falls to the wall with these dart frogs, man. He loves them. But, uh, Are you getting eggs yet? No, no. I'm all. I have three uh, vitatis right now, and they're all still small. They got a ways to go. Um, and then I just, cool. I just finished planting my second vivarium today, and I'm gonna get some. some I don't know what some species of ranitomae. I don't know which ones yet. Um, Probably next month, if not early February. Cool. Still deciding. Too many choices. Yeah. Definitely. Had, I think there were Tinctoris. Uh, he had just in his office at the university. Both mm-hmm. of us worked at Utah State University, and oh, nice. and uh, so he'd get eggs, and he'd have tadpoles, and he'd have you know froglets, and it was <laughs> fun. Whenever I'd go to his office to see you know what he had kicking around. Yeah, tinks are definitely next on the uh, on the hit list. Yeah, I gotta get some cool. tanks. After if, seeing Alex's when man, we went to his they, place they Saturday, were man, so just cool, man. Oh. if if I if I ever do a dart frog tank, which if I ever do, it'll be long down the road. But I'm, I'm definitely getting a pair of tanks. They're just so cool, man. They're huge, man. They are. I, yeah, I, they I are. The, the mints, the terabilis get even bigger. Really? Yeah. I, I like those, man. I liked how they were actually out and about, like they were hunting. Looking yeah, you around, actually see them. My Vitatus, like I saw mine for about two seconds this morning. I was like. <laughs> Oh, they're out, they're out. <laughs> every, one time, of them. every time I look in your tank, I'm like, where the heck are they? And yeah. like, you're like, oh, there's one hiding they're back in here there behind somewhere. this leaf. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool, I guess. I know all their little hangout <laughs> spots. Each one has its little hangout spot, and I know where yeah. that spot is now. So I know where to look. Fun animals. They're really yeah. cool. And, of course, we, we're talking to Riley uh, Jimison, and he's like, you like all the animals you can't handle, don't you? I was like, I guess so. Like, I kept a lot of inverts at one point. Like, I went through a really hardcore invert phase where I had almost nothing but tarantulas and scorpions. I think I had, like, wow. maybe three or four snakes, if that. Mm-hmm. So I got used to having stuff that I really couldn't touch. 
So I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm not used to that, man. I like I like being able to play with my animals. I mean, I don't play with my snakes, but you know. Your scale babies? My scale babies. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Your uh, danger noodles? No. I just, I like being able to take my stuff out and show people. That's why you get the bread a lie. And the corns and the bears. Well, I can't take my bread lie out for just anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you have an attitude? What's that? Do they have an attitude? Or oh, just oh man. This is one, my, of the, my one, girl, one of the one percenters. My girl wants me dead. Yeah. Like, she wants nothing to do with me. She's, she's actually been a little bit better as of recent. I don't know if it's been because of the weather or what, but, you know, if, she, if she's hyped up, man, she... Minor she'll angels. Take, she'll take shot after shot after shot, man. She does not. Wow. She, she doesn't want anything. Like to I do said, with me. she's part of that tiny fraction in Brettles. It's yeah. like there's just that little tiny, that little corner of the pie there that they're just psychotic. Yeah, even though her attitude sucks, though, but she she's gorgeous. She's prettier man. than mine. She's she's a beautiful animal. Really turning out as she grows, she's really starting to color up. I'm anxious nicely. to see how that works out. Yeah, she's uh, she looks good. So I put up with her. I tolerate her. She tolerates me. You know, we have a we have an understanding of each other. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, having some that are that are. Uh intense personalities is kind of fun no yeah i'm i'm really hoping as you know once she hits you know her full grown uh adult phase i really hope she's not as bad because the last thing i want is a six to eight foot you know bread like terrorist flying out at me you know (laughs) but uh no she's cool i love her um you know people always ask she's like why i mean my girlfriend can't stand being around she's like why do you even like that thing why do you have her around why don't you get rid of her i've told like, you multiple like times like, she can come awesome. stay here <laughs> i'll deal with mean snakes i don't care i'm used to it with my bunch yeah i'm used to it i don't i don't mind her i love my bread line my girlfriend doesn't but you know she's got like 20 other snakes to pick from it's the only snake that my girlfriend has actually seen bite me so it like freaks her out every time because she like freaked out when it bit when she bit me the one time and I was like you know it's fine like I get bit all the time like this isn't a big deal, uh, but yeah it's funny. Well, if they uh, give you eggs and you get to see awesome little babies poking their heads out and it's it's worth bleeding for. Oh yeah, I, I can't. That's in the plan. Yeah, Justin and I have definitely, um, definitely, Bread Lie is one of the bigger side projects that, you know, we, we're both kind of working on right now. Um, between the two of us, we're getting oh. another mail Sunday. on Sunday. So this will... He's this'll, paid for. Yeah. Just got to get Oh, him. really? He's yep. paid for? Cool. So this will give us 2.2 uh, Bread Lie right now. Um, awesome. Yeah. So we're we're really excited. Um, They're just awesome snakes. Yeah. That's, easy. That's become... Very quickly after getting my first one, that quickly became one of my favorite snakes I've probably ever kept. Yeah. They're just so chill. Mine are. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Lucky I, they're you. Just, I never have any <laughs> issues with them. They're just, they're tanks. Yeah. And that, that is and one thing, you, though, man, with the, as far as like temperatures go, you yeah. know, with these temperatures well, the dropping. Cold and they'll be fine. Yeah. With the they temperatures dropping, it. I've, you know, I've, I'm not going to lie, I've had some respiratory problems as of recent. You, you got know, one right now with yourself. Yeah, I've got one myself. But, you know, the bread live, man, she, she doesn't care. Nope. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. And when you get a really nice big one with awesome coloration, it's really tough to beat big old Mm -hmm. red awesome you know red or orange big old bread alive in there and i beautiful and i think they're awesome because like you know if somebody's looking like 
you know, I've worked with ball pythons. I've worked with I've worked with corns. You know, I want something bigger, but not retake. Right, they're big. I don't I don't want I don't want a retake or a berm, but I want something big. You Mm -hmm. know, bread lie is perfect. You know, they'll hit that that range of being bigger than you know an Erie and Jaya. You know, or pop one, whatever you want to call them. Um, They're bigger than them, but you know, they're not as big as a you know. a freaking retake or something like that, you know, but they're, you know, they're manageable to handle by yourself if need be, but and they're not you know, going to take your face off most of yeah, the time. And they're not going to eat yep. full grown rabbits, you know? No. Um, but yeah. Anyways, tangents as always. Yep. <laughs> but, We're uh, just over about an hour, 10. Um, yeah. I want to start winding down. Yeah. Uh, if people want to, find out about rgi and stuff where do they need to go or if they i guess if they want to send you a shed too like what's what do they need to how do you go about setting that up yeah um so we do have the website set up so that you can submit um a sample you can pay for a sample so say you wanted to send a, a green tree python male shed in and along with his mom or dad and then mm-hmm. you can you know do the the DNA fingerprinting and tell you whether we could, um, uh, you know, be able to determine sex from uh, any offspring from him. So what you would do is you'd get on, on our, our website, Rare Genetics Inc. Um, if you type in Rare Genetics Inc. or at Rare Genetics Inc., um, you know, it, it should come up. And we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. But on the website is where you'll be able to um, upload your information about each shed. So say you're sending the, the mail and his mom, um, you would just uh, click uh, for Python uh, sec, or, uh, Python uh, finger, DNA fingerprinting. Mm-hmm. You would just choose two. So you're, you're sending two, you choose two, you'll be able to write a little note in there and say, you know, you know what the male's name is and the female's name. Um, and then you pay for that. And then all, all you do from there is just print that off when you when those two animals shed, or if you already have the sheds, um, you just stick those in their own baggie, okay. put a piece of paper in there to say which one goes with which animal, mm-hmm. and then you just put it in a normal envelope, send it snail mail to us. Um, one of the most important things, I think, for people to realize now that we're going to have more and more of these genetic tests available is, like, uh, I know a lot of people have like a, a feed card or something like that for, for each animal. Well, if you get in the habit of just having an envelope there, when that animal sheds, just set it on top of the cage, let it dry out. Once it's dry, put it in an envelope and then just, you know, either leave it right there by their cage or put it in a file cabinet. And anytime you decide you want to get a test done, all you got to do is rip a little piece off of that, put it in an envelope and mail it to us. Cause once the shed's dry, I can get DNA from it for years. Oh, wow. So, no so you don't even need the whole shed. You just yeah, need no, a he piece. only needs no. a quarter size piece. Oh, okay. I was yep, thinking you a, needed like the whole shed. Oh, nope. okay. Okay. No, when I when I actually go to to lice the cells, I'll probably cut a piece that's probably about the size of the uh, pencil eraser. So even wow. a quarter size, I can do multiple tests from that. Wow. And so, okay, do you I save all those? What's that? Do you save all those? Like the actual samples or do or those all just you just store that information in a database um so far i have all of the samples people have sent me the the pieces of shed skin and i have all of the dna i've extracted even though i've already run the test and and sent the results 
um, eventually I, I, I'm quite sure we'll get big enough to where I can't keep everything all the time. Right. Um, so probably most core facilities, you know, places that are running DNA samples for people, they'll, they'll keep like the last three months. And mm-hmm. after those three months, they just get chucked. And so every week you just check whatever's three months old and mm-hmm. that way you don't have freezers and freezers full of <laughs> DNA extractions that yeah. you don't need to run samples on anymore. Yeah, because I could definitely see this getting to Finally, getting when, to that when point. When Ian sends you fifty sheds and yeah. <laughs> you have other guys doing the exact same thing, yeah, you're you're gonna have your hands full with a lot of stuff. And are you doing the DNA fingerprinting on everything, like colubrids and all? Um, right now, I'm not. Okay, I haven't had much interest yet. Um, the DNA fingerprinting I have had interest in has been pythons, boas, blue tongue skinks. Um, I think that's it. So a couple of different groups of, of boas, uh, the emeralds, and then also uh, like Madagascar, some Madagascar species. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I've really gotten um, people gotcha. requesting so far. But there are there are you know things that I could do pretty quickly for colubrids or mm-hmm. for for most groups. And if worst case scenario, if I have to develop those markers, that's something I did as a as a as a undergrad in like 2003. I made new markers. I developed new markers for some pine beetles, and so it it was um, probably a two or three month project, and costed a you know few hundred dollars back then. Now it's a lot faster and a lot cheaper. Cool. Yeah, I'm definitely anxious to try it out. Just as you know, with I got some some very small bear eye, and I got a pair of bear eye that are supposed to be a pair. Yeah. I have you know they're so small. When they're when my snakes are smaller like that, like they're not anywhere near ready to breed. I don't worry about the whole like I hope they're a pair thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't really matter right now. Anyways, I can't do anything with them. Right. So yeah. I'll definitely be uh, sending you some stuff once I get some some sheds out of these fools. Sounds good. Cool, man. Yeah, on, the, check it on out. the website we do have like a how to submit sample that gives you like three really easy steps, and we've got like a fat FAQ down below that for more detail, like when you're going to submit the samples. And so we've tried to have most of that stuff spelled out on the website. Um, during January, excuse me, during January we plan to do several short videos, like one, two, three minute videos like on how to submit a sample, um, on, you know, what what is what am I going to get from a DNA fingerprinting test and things like that. They'll just be really quick. Like you can either read this paragraph or two or you can click on this two-minute video kind of a thing. Cool. Nice. The works. Yeah, man. Well. Yeah, I'm hour 15. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a good spot I to call I think we it, covered man. everything. Yeah. That's rare. <laughs> yeah, <for real>. <laughs> <laughs> that might even be a first. Yeah, oh, it's been fun. Yeah, yeah we, we really, appreciate. Yeah, it, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. Um, really hope this you know can help you at least a little bit. Get you know get your name out there and get things moving with it's, it. Yeah, it's this kind of stuff and the stuff that David Brahms does with a 3D printer that yeah. are really like flagship yeah. sort of things that are that for are sure. going to do nothing but good things for the hobby. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I guess uh, I guess we'll call it here. So.
Justin Smith of Palmetto right. Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob with JLB Morelia. And uh, see y'all later. See y'all next week. Appreciate you coming on, Ben. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.